Astray Theatre, Radio Boise's cultural pipeline for all things literary, performative, and dramatic, going on right here in the Treasure Valley. Today, Stray Theatre presents a Ghost and Projectors reading featuring poets Deborah Palmer and Stephanie Ford, May 7th at the Cabin in Boise. So, next poet up is Deborah Palmer, who I saw read at the Death Rattle set at Story Fort. It was immediately like, I need to invite her to read for ghosts. So, I'm really excited for this. Deborah Palmer's poems have appeared in Bloom Magazine, Calix Journal, Pectriloquy, um, and the Portland Review. She recently returned to her birth state of Idaho after spending most of her life in Portland, Oregon, where she studied writing at Portland State University. Now home at last, she lives and works in Boise with her wife and their little dog, Tennessee. Let's welcome Deborah. <laughs> Okay, let's take a, an unfortunate detour into cruelty and its many forms. Um, I've done some cruel things. Uh, this poem touches on one. I remember it very well, and it is one of my greatest regrets. It's called Late Bloomer. Mama had a baby and its head popped off. The severed head of the dandelion drops from my guillotine thumb. The yellow burst of weed held under my chin. Do you like butter? A little blonde girl whose parents are deaf opens her mouth. Talk like your parents, I insist. She cries without sound so hard that the daisy chain crown shakes from her head. I just want her to speak with her hands. Here's one on experiencing cruelty and at the same time longing for rescue. It's called X-ray. The bread was left untied next to the yellow mustard and a pan of hot dogs cut the long way. Superman would have seen this with his X-ray vision if he hadn't been busy that day. And through the same roof, he would have seen the boys young enough to still read comic books, but strong enough to fly us down the stairs in their arms. They said this would be like a rescue. Girls under boys look for the sky through the ceiling. If we had x-ray vision, we'd see an empty sky, maybe a bird. But the boys were not birds. They were planes diving at our bodies in the dark. Um, this next one, it definitely fits into the cruelty category nicely, um, unfortunately quite well. It's written for Stephen Nelson. He's the man who was killed a, a week ago at Lake Lowell. Um, he was my coworker. He was a lovely man. I'm not a biblical scholar by any stretch, um, but I do love to study the lives of the saints, and I knew that Stephen was a saint. Um, so I wanted to share some details to help with this poem before I read it. The Saint Stephen was known as the first martyr. Um, he forgave the people who were stoning to him to death while they were stoning him to death for blaspheming that Christ lived. 
um, in the flesh. Uh, the title of the palm is Asterion, which um, is a point in the skull. And then from a separate, separate biblical reference, 30 pieces of silver was the price that Judas Iscariot was paid to betray um, Jesus. And according to the account of the book of Matthew, um, the Stephen I knew was kicked more than 30 times by one of the men who killed him. And Stephen, has, when he always wore clothes that were very much too big for him. And one other detail is that um, Crivelli is an Italian Renaissance painter. Asterian. Crivelli Stephen peers at me from Wikipedia, where he lives with the other saints. I read that his name means crown, and often he is depicted with three stones. In this image, the stones are on his shoulders and his head. I thought they were pom-poms. In his left hand, he limply holds a palm frond. Today, his whole right arm can be viewed inside a Russian monastery. I'm self-diagnosing the source of this pain, consulting the oracle known as internet, because we are all one body with hurting bones, and we are walking alone, naked, knocking on doors at 4 a.m., covering ourselves so that the good people might be less afraid. 30 caves in the body, 30 coins paid in this betrayal, 30 doves crashing through their cage, a body left in the foothills of the city. When he last stood at my door in a sport coat big enough to hide three stones, even then he knew where God lives. At this elevation, hummingbirds come for the throat, red as the forgiveness that will never enter this poem. Let's lighten it up at least a little bit with some cake, cupcake. I need to write some happier poems about cake, but I'll try this. Because who doesn't like cake? Okay. Bake sale. Don't eat the wrapper. Nobody doesn't know this. So when my mother ate the cupcake, paper and all, in one shoved in bite and hissed, don't you say a word. All the way home from the Ockley Green Middle School bake sale, I thought about the paper in her stomach. What if anyone saw her? What would they say? Like my best friend's mother, who taught us how to count to 10 in Cherokee and caught my father's eye. I thought it was because he liked her slacks or because she worked part-time at Sears, but my mother said it was because she was petite and had a stick. What would she say? I carried my cupcake in both hands, its top coiled like a green snake with gold sprinkles. To want anything so much, to devour it like that, must be deadly. There's cake in this poem, too. Um, I was really happy that this one um, was picked up by Scholastic for publication and some uh, materials that are going to be used in classrooms. So I'm imagining a bunch of children learning this poem and hopefully um, being led to understand that this is a poem defending my mother's body. It's called Wade's Hoggers. The name of my mother's bowling team. You have to know what a hogger is, she said. 
I'm thinking pig, fat pigs. I'm thinking it's not funny to name a team hoggers. I'm thinking of the time I was nearly suspended from fourth grade for fighting with a girl who said my mother was fat. I'm thinking of how, <clears throat> I'm thinking of how careful my mother was to take dainty steps and walk slowly so that the wind was not disturbed by her mass, so that people wouldn't get pushed over by her wake. I'm thinking about her shock at the obvious disgust of my father as she grew larger after every child. I'm thinking of tropical purple moo-moos, sagging chairs, stretched out shoes. I'm thinking about her heart squeezed between her lungs. I'm thinking about a photo of my mother at age four her chubby, baby fat face, her hands hooked in front by two plump fingers. She is standing in front of her house. To her left is a table and a cake with four candles. She's not smiling. What is a hogger, mom? I ask. It digs up potatoes. It's a farm tool. Oh, I say. I'm thinking of Wade hanging a framed photo of his champion hoggers on the wall of his shop. I'm thinking of all of the farmers who will comment on the picture, a row of women in their 50s, hoggers stitched in pink across their chests. I want to say, mom, eat the cake. All right. I'll end with a couple, a couple of love poems. That's the love part. Yeah. This one is called made of the lines hard and spotted won't cancel the clove in the Bavarian beer Surgeon General warns don't drink during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects because of the risk of bitterness units best consumed before the muscles open and demand white wine sauce my wife can't stop making things a sofa table shelf a wooden box to hold wood. We are proud people opening food and fastening joints. Or we are bivalvia, finding a way to live between sea and land, wood and water, born. First, despite all the risks, then again and again into bitterness, palm to table, heartwood and stain. Last poem, short little poem from a, my chapbook, uh, Military Alphabet. Each of the poems are crafted, or, um, motivated, inspired, or something by one of the letters. This one is Bravo. Our food on the checkout conveyor made its way to the cashier who couldn't see the night still pulsing under our skin. Neither of us could answer, did we want paper or plastic? We left with sparks spraying from our eyes and salads we ate in the car. Small talk with someone you've tasted is like speaking in matchsticks when you're fluent in wildfire. You're listening to a Ghosts and Projectors reading from the cabin in Boise. We'll be right back. Support comes from listeners like you in Southern Idaho tourism. 
promoting the recreation of the region, including one bridge for base jumping, four national park properties, 11 golf courses, and more. Information for families and explorers of all ages is available at visitsouthidaho.com. Visit Scenic Idaho. Stray Theater returns with poet Stephanie Ford from the Ghosts and Protectors reading series from May 7th at the Cabin in Boise. Thank you all for coming. Thanks to Denise and Deborah for the wonderful poems. Thanks to Megan and the whole Ghosts and Projectors crew for having me. I live in perpetual fear that my voice is too quiet. Is it okay? Yeah, I should probably keep talking so you can make a determination. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is always um, strange and exciting when I'm introduced as a California poet, a Los Angeles poet, because I never expected to live in Los Angeles for 20 years. And actually, until a few years ago, I never expected to be a poet. So leave yourselves open to possibilities. <laughs> what I'm saying and it is really wonderful to be here this book likes to be read on mountain time um, let's see this first poem there's a couple vocabulary notes um, so when I say escalate in this poem I'm talking about that large Cadillac SUV <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have those out here in Los Angeles Oh, and when I, and when I say Oz, it's not O-Z, it's A-A-H-S exclamation point, which is the name of a store. Do you guys have those out here? Oz? No, okay, so it's a store that sells cheap junk, um, and it's like, it's like written in yellow script. I guess the purple background is incredibly hideous. I used to pass it every day on my commute to work. Um, Oz. This poem is called Novelty. Novelty. Here's how I discovered the next habitable planet. I found myself again in transit, barely advancing behind a gleaming gold escalade. A giant waving fluorescent finger pointed me toward a store called Oz. Fake noses, unicorns, inflatable wives, while the queen of the night <laughs> hit her high notes. <laughs> In that instant, I saw how everything matters. Now, as before, the sun sets behind me while I iron tomorrow's work shirt. Now, as before, I'm rarely at home. What's new is, for instance, this morning glory blooming in the trash can from which it still clambers, uprooted, open-mouthed, trumpeting, and how I get lost like it's nothing. Uh, this is another Los Angeles poem. So last, you live in Los Angeles, after a while you realize that it's teaching you how to read signs. If it teaches you anything, it's like how to read signs. First you need to read the signs so you can find your way about, and then as you're stuck in traffic, you realize, well, there are other things that you can read, and slowly you start to just read whatever landscape you find yourself stuck in. That's been my experience. So there's a billboard in here, too. Cathedral. Our sky is no less a special effect. Someone slashes tomorrow's tires. This month's billboard says you could be next. Buildings fall and stars and dollars. In the meeting for helping the children, no one agrees on how to proceed. Some of us eat reheated pizza. Some of us miss the grasses we grazed in as minor shirtless animals. Outside, 
Someone's ornamental plum bursts into bloom like a shredded subpoena. Two lovers break up on the public stair. A voice that says please, a voice that says no. A silence falling soft as gauze, soft as a sugar pill dropped in the mind. Uh, there are a bunch of um, California disaster poems um, in the book. Um, some of them are based on actual disasters, but a lot of them are sort of um, anticipating. We're always like, in a state of anticipating disaster, so they're like pre-disaster, but I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> the arsonist. The arsonist rouges the edge of the city like suffering cranks up the edge of all things. So we ready the car, bathrobes, coffee mugs, the figments of our passing faces. We say the cloud tower looks like Hiroshima or a movie about Mount Vesuvius. Over and over our protests crescendo to the acme of ornament. We write our goodbyes in the hot tub water, heave our arsons, Fan the inferno. We only love that lean-limbed tree for the spark it struck in us, a movable limelight. If a dime's worth of cinder tapped us on our smooth brows, how briefly we'd bear it. Just take the damn picture. <laughs> um, okay, the elegy portion of the evening. Um, I'm going to read two elegies. The first one, I used to think this poem could just stand alone. And the more I read it, the more I feel um, compelled to say more. Um, so this is from my great uncle Tom, um, my, my father's uncle, who, when he died alone on his 80th birthday, um, left some great silences behind. Um, and I didn't know him well. I was very young, and he was very old. Um, but he was always present at Thanksgivings and Super Bowl, Super Bowl parties that the 49ers were playing. Um, there was the silence around the fact that he had run 26 bombing missions over Japan during World War II, and there was the silence of our family concerning the man that he loved, uh, whose name we knew but never spoke. Um, and I see in, in those two silences two different forms of violence. Um, too. The other airman. The moon doesn't snuff itself out, does hover, tethered, over fallout shelters. Tasseled rows of feed corn feel it, as do boys who, in dreams, make love to the bombardier. Radio and aria in dashes and dots over the sea's flaying mirror. Did you find, uncle, in servitude, the mind is composed as a brain slice under plate glass? The payload opens its petticoats, eats a city, goes rococo, while a peony drops its incendiary head and a child dunks her dolls in the pool, clacks their plastic bodies together, calls you saved, and who will tell her? That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, like a metal mark? What is that? I live in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I used to understand. Um, and this is a poem, <coughs> um, it's, uh, it's written around and about, um, 
a young woman I, I knew who, uh, who I went to school with, uh, who was murdered on her way to, to college after summer vacation. I, I didn't know her well, so I guess I can't say it's um, an elegy for her so much as it is for um, the feeling you have um, if you're really lucky in life as a 10 or 12 or 14 year old girl that you can do anything and go anywhere. Anniversary. Under a sky so wide, it's two blind eyes. Almost everywhere we stray, no monument to cast a shadow. Where saxifrage roots is sweet rosette in a hunk of granite. That only a native lark or aster should roam this deep in grasshopper weather is not what I wanted to know in my bones. Found among primrose and prickly pear, the many ways she disappeared and how the mind fidgets through funerals. No snake in the garden, no lizard wit. Between dinner and dessert, little gods go berserk. Under steeples, under neon, under gawking poplars. That's weird. <laughs> so seriously, there's like a page missing from my book. I have a four-year-old. Thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what happened. That was good. <laughs> Let me just back up a tiny bit because I liked that turn there. Under, sorry about that. Under steeples, under neon, under gawking poplars, wind whisks the lampposts free of faces collect our roadside emergency kits. Whatever I write next won't kill me, or will it? Whatever sincerity is, it isn't pretty, in a mind that keeps on composing its poem when she could be alive and singing it. I had a sticky over the rest of the poem. <laughs> The places. The places burn through us, so be bitterless. Raise not your heart against the non-native species nesting in the rain gutter. Your time will come to hole up in the wrong house, a muddle of fraudulent songs on your tongue. The mockingbird perches and launches, perches and launches, and somewhere is where you once, after last call, found an elm or statue to be kissed against, heading into snow and sudden bareness, pressed into a storm window that's still there, off Route 6, under another weather. As if this is who you are, the places stay in place, but you are only making coffee before work here, and here getting the tossing of ashes all wrong, and here in the museum, planetarium, cineramodome, recovery room, the same play of light filling the screen. Everything you need to know right here about extinction, quasars, sex, after surgery. You may or may not know that if you can walk up two flights of stairs, you're good to go. <laughs> um, so I taught high school for a few years and um, my students are always keeping me up to date about the latest um, rapture prediction. 
Like, Miss Ford, we may not have class next Thursday because, you know. <laughs> um, so she got me thinking about rapture predictions and sort of having a conversation with them in our mind. <laughs> this poem is called Our Rapture Happens Here. Our rapture happens here, not from, but deeper into the bent-necked grass, the overpass, Fossils fuel our movement. A stand of aspen waiting for glaciers. A band of seers marooned in their big myth. Workers stripe the mall lot into car-sized parcels and all of us drive like we're country-sized. If my mind goes from prairie to meadow to pasture, if our industry earns no parcel of blue, if no rain, if missile, if lark call, if laser. Though the local hero roots for erosion, her homework consists of equations for staying. Her ancestor built that one room lean-to, maybe knelt and panned this bed. My gem, my germ, spent piece of the species, let's vanish and live a western end. Just read a couple more. Trophy. Our winter is no dress rehearsal. Is storm and stubbled hawkweed, the dead deer in the meadow, a blizzard of time card punch outs in the break room. In this season's cliffhanger, each of us is hunger's animal. The men in the mine, you on the heart and lung, the mountain lion minding its kill from under a neighbor's snowed-in porch. The smokestack's white flag is the monument we're made of, and as the urge to hit is often ours when we hear the other whisper, hit me, we must have been the predator too, waiting in the wings. Remember the last ones, the blunt-nosed lizards who taught us a constant tussling? We'll never know if they meant to kiss or kill each other. As always, the lesson gets hazy. You come home stitched and briefly tender, as any light, regardless of source, renders us two ways and more. And last one. This is really lovely, by the way. Pressure. <laughs> Believes. Um, to be able to travel for poetry is a really, really magnificent um, thing. Address. Landlord, I am all pilgrim, lost in privet hedge and primrose, caught in every kind of bind. If you are so near and mine to please, we must be neighbors. Won't you grant me a gate pass that we may gin the juniper? Share a porch swing and drink to the ankle monitor of a day off. I too like to watch the pageant advance all evening between shows. Weekends, I have tried to master each of your tricky species. Larkspur, Foxglove, Black-Eyed Susan, the vivid cardinal at the feeder testing the domestic kitty. But sir, what profit in your salamander 
so thrifty it nibbles its own sloughed skin, and what compass in a wilderness, so whole it owns and inhabits us both. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Deborah. And thank you, Denise. And thanks to all of you for coming out this evening. We will be having another reading in June. Details are fuzzy. Pay attention to Facebook. <laughs>